Hallelujah. Brother Don, when we get out of service, I'm going to print a word that was spoken at our prayer meeting in LJ in October of 16. And the Spirit of the Lord came on my wife. And the Lord started saying, press me. Press me, press. That's all the Lord spoke about for about 10 or 15 minutes was pressing. Pressing, amen. It's time to press. God's been moving us to this place for about four or five years now. There's a visitation of the Spirit of God about prayer. There's a visitation. And I'm going to tell you when I was searching these Scriptures this morning, the Word of the Lord come to me. And I know God's fixing to take us into a place that we've never walked. But uh, I want you to open your Bibles with me. and I probably won't cover everything in the notes, but a lot of it I will cover. But I'm going to go to Genesis, the fourth chapter to start with. Because this is what God spoke in my spirit about two weeks ago. It's verse 26, the very last verse of fourth chapter of Genesis. And it says, And to Seth, and to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And about five years or so ago, God spoke this to me. And when He spoke it to me, He told me, He said, Spirit of prayer is coming back to my people. And I have not seen that Spirit of prayer yet come back to God's people, but I'm telling you, this is the day. There's a, there's a working, there's a moving, you can feel it, that God is drawing people back to prayer. Because I'm going to tell you, when I first come to the Lord back now. Uh, 72, God put a spirit of prayer in me. There wasn't nothing for me to stay in prayer three or four hours. I mean, that was a, that was a light thing. And at that time, I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, I had a milk cow and I'd go milk curtain and I had to be on the job by seven. So I was up at 4.30 every morning. But I'm going to tell you something. Late of an evening, I'd get in prayer. And I'm going to tell you something, I didn't close my eyes to what I call pray through, to the quickening of the Spirit of God. Sometimes it'd be 11, 11.30, 12, sometimes 12, 31 o'clock in the morning before I'd get a chance to get that prayer. But I, I stayed in that prayer. I didn't care what time I had to get up. So we made excuses to the Lord trying to justify ourselves. Well, God, i got to do this. i got to do that. I gotta get up at this time. I gotta go here. I gotta go there. I gotta do this. Now it's time to hearken to what thus saith the Lord. Because I'm gonna tell you something. Everything out there you gotta do, it's still gonna be there and you get to it. Y'all ever think you got something to do and you just gotta do this and do that and go here and go there? Get sick four or five days. Get knocked down. Let the Spirit of God put you flat on your back. And everything you think you got to do, still going to be there waiting on you when you get back on your feet. See, we try to justify the importance of what we got to do over what the Spirit of God is trying to work in our lives. Now, God's calling people aside. He's calling them into a, a realm of prayer. He's calling them into a place. And I told God, might have been last night in prayer, I said, I want that spirit of prayer back that I had. And I first come to you, I want that spirit of prayer back. I'd start praying sometimes. It just, there'd be 7, 30, 8 o'clock, I'd start praying, and I'd go to 11, 11, 30, 12, and just get caught up in that spirit of prayer. And then sometimes it'd be later on up in the night, and I'd get caught up in that spirit of prayer. It might be 1, 30, 2 o'clock before I'd ever close my eyes, having to get up at 4, 30, but I didn't care. Didn't care! Because I wanted that relationship with God. And God always gave me strength, always gave me ability. But the Lord told me, He said, this spirit of prayer is coming back to my people. 
And He's coming back, I'm telling you. And it's working right now. God has started something in the earth. God has started something in the earth. And as I was in prayer this morning, seeking the Lord, the Lord began to put in my spirit. He said, He said, we're not just in a time of prayer. He said, this is an appointed time of my word and my spirit for me to bring to pass what's written in that word. You know and understand, you mark this down today that we have entered into a time appointed of the Lord. This is God's predestination. This is God. God is predestined and foreordained. This word right here to be fulfilled from the foundation of the world. God, you ain't just seeing a stirring. You ain't just in a part of a stirring of the Holy Ghost. This is something that God spoke and has been set in His Word from the time He laid the foundations of the earth. The Word of God says, Thy Word, O Lord, is forever. Forever settled. This is forever settled. This is forever settled. This was predestined. And foreordained from the time that God put the foundations of the earth in place. You see, what people don't understand, this is something God's been dealing with me for several weeks now. He said, when I speak my word, it has a season. And he said, my word don't happen till it's my season. He said, it don't happen till I've appointed it. Amen? Amen. Don't happen. Go me to Luke, the first chapter. You hear me today. This is a time and a season appointed of the Lord. Hallelujah. What God is doing now, man ain't got nothing to do with it. Man has nothing to do with this. I want you to go to Luke, the first chapter. Y'all there with me? Let's go to the 18th verse. And I'll let a little bit of ground. Uh, Zechariah was in the temple. He had a course in the temple where he'd done certain things. And while he was in there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Let's just back up to verse 12 or 11. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell on him. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I feel the presence of God, sometimes I get afraid. I ain't like these people that can get up every morning and go eat breakfast with Greg Gable and, 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 you know, just no fear, no reverence, no. Now, when you, when you feel the real presence of God, I'm going to tell you something. It'll put fear in you. It'll put respect. It'll put honor. I felt the presence of God sometimes so strong. I'd be ministering if I had my suit coat on. I won't crawl up beside my suit coat. I'm telling you, it, I remember in Scottsboro in, in 81, Scottsboro, Alabama, had a tent up and I walked out there. The Spirit of the Lord fell on me and I felt such a holiness and a reverence, I wanted to crawl up inside my suit coat. And I looked outside the tent, and there stood an angel dressed in black, about 30 foot tall, had a sword drawn back over the tent. And the very next night, the tent blew down in a storm. There was a young man there I kept reaching for and reaching for and pulling for and reaching for and pulling for and he finally come to the altar. But that presence was there and there was a fear of God. He finally surrendered and come to the altar and that tent come down the next night right at service time. He was on that tent, that tent pole that come down missed him by about two feet. If it hadn't been for that, I believe he had died lost. I believe God's hand and God's mercy. But the angel, verse 13, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah 
to turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What has the Lord just told us? He told us just before the great and terrible, terrible day of the Lord come, I'll send you Elijah the prophet. Did he not tell us that the Spirit that's fixing to be poured out on our sons and daughters is going to be the Spirit of Elijah? It's going to be the Spirit of Moses. So there's a coming forth of the Spirit of Elijah. Yeah, my God, it's going to be. It ain't going to be one man like John the Baptist. It ain't going to be one man like Elijah. It's going to be the Spirit of Elijah. It's going to baptize our sons and daughters in the Holy Ghost. And tongues of fire. I'm telling you, we're at an appointed time of a visitation. God's hand ain't going to be stayed. Hallelujah. Verse 18. Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answered, said unto him, I am Gabriel, to stand in the presence of God. And am said to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, I shall be dumb, and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. The word of the Lord has a season. You hearing me? The word of the Lord has a season. There's been words spoken 1,500, 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 years ago that have not yet come to their season. They've not yet come to the time for God to move. But we are now. If I know the if I know the voice of God, we have entered into an appointed time of God's Word and God's Spirit that the Word of the Lord has been spoken uh, to us uh, about this coming forth, uh, about this baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, and tongues of fire in this door, uh, swing it open to the Gentiles. Uh, this Word, we are in it now, uh, and it's being fulfilled because we're in God's season. We're in God's season. It don't matter how long ago it's been spoken. When God says it's time for it to come to pass, it's time for it to come to pass. You look in uh, Genesis 15. When God started talking to Abraham, He told him, Do y'all know Abraham was an idol worshiper? That God visited him? He was an idol worshiper. Nobody knew a true and a living God. Hadn't for generations. Probably since Noah's day. There hadn't been people walked with God. But God spoke to Abraham, visiting him. He said, I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham started serving God because God preached to him. God preached to him. I remember years ago, and I don't remember when it was, but I was, uh, I was in Fort Payne. And I was laying in the bed and I was listening to the Word of God, and which I do a lot. And I was listening and man, uh, somewhere over, I'll have to find it. But it said, and God preached the gospel unto Abraham. And I sat up, the, uh, uh, sat up on the side of the bed and stood up. And I said, God done what? <laughs> and I went back, back and found the scripture. And it says, God preached unto Abraham. And Abraham believed it. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Hallelujah. Lord showed Abraham what he's fixing to do. Yeah. Showed him what he's fixing to do. Hallelujah. And Abraham believed him and started serving him. And in Genesis 15, the third chapter, the third verse, he said, he told Abraham, he said, I'm not shield. I'm not exceeding great reward. And Abraham started saying, well, God, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me, Lord? Here I am, 75 years old. Here my wife is, 65 years old. He said, I don't have no seed. All I got is a, a servant. I leave everything you bless me with. I leave all these riches and wealth. I don't have an heir. And God said, no. He said, what's coming out of your own mouths will be your heir. What comes out of your own mouths, you will have a son. You will bring a son forth. And so for about 12, 13 years, Abraham and Sarah tried. Didn't work. Didn't work. Then he went into Hagar and had, had Ishmael. And then there come a time when he is 99 years old, sitting there in Genesis, I believe it's 18 or 19, somewhere in there. You read 17, 18, and 19 of Genesis. But he, he, he was sitting at the door of his tent, and here come three men. 
The Lord appeared to him in the form of three men. He seen them come and went and bowed to him, invited them in. Had Sarah fix him something to eat. Hallelujah. And he is sitting there. And God spoke to him. And he said, at the time appointed. At the time appointed. Because he had visited him about a year before and he told him. He said, at the set time next year, Sarah shall conceive. And it said, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. That God got angry. God got angry and went up from him. But about a little while later, God appeared to him in the form of three men and told him. And Sarah was sitting behind him in the tent and Sarah laughed. First Abraham laughed, then Sarah laughed. Let me tell you something. Don't ever laugh at the promises of God. Don't ever think anything impossible. With God and God told him. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Man, we made things too hard for the Lord. We always want to go back to Pentecost. We always want to go back to Azusa Street. We always want to go back to the healing revivals. And what God done, and we don't think God can go beyond that. And do it again. God can go way beyond that. Anything He's ever done, He told Abraham. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? He said, is my hand short? We need to quit making God's hand short. We need to quit wondering, is anything too hard for the Lord? Somebody posted a picture on Facebook of A.A. Allen's Big Ten, I think it was in Atlanta, Georgia, back in the late 50s, early 60s. Twenty-something thousand people around that tent. I told him, I said, well, I'm probably in that picture. I'm probably in that meeting because we went to a lot, about every uh, revival Allen had from the mid-50s to the early 60s in Atlanta. We was in that meeting. And I ain't talking about Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm talking about every night, sometimes every morning for three and four and five weeks when them revivals would break out. People don't know what revival is. They don't know what a move of God is. They think you have a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You've done something. I used to tell people when I was preaching on the tents, I said, man, it takes me seven to ten days to stir the Spirit of God up in y'all to get y'all hungry for God. I said, the first week's just to get you ready. The second week, so God can move. I mean, you got to stir. I said, it'll take me seven, ten days just to make the devil mad. You stir him up enough. God told Abraham, He said, at the time appointed next year, at the time appointed, He said, Sarah shall conceive and bring forth a son. Why? It wasn't, it wasn't Abraham's appointed time, it wasn't Sarah's appointed time, because Sarah was 90 years old. Abraham was nearly a 100. He was impotent. It done ceased to be with her. After the manner of women, she had done gone through the change. His body had done got weak and impotent. And they didn't know. They weren't even trying to have kids anymore. And God said, I'm going to restore Sarah's youth. I'm going to put strength back in your body and I'm going to turn around at this set time next year. He said, and Sarah's going to bring forth a son. And Sarah just laughed and laughed and laughed. Said, being old am I again going to have pleasure with my Lord. Can God really do this thing? And God rebuked her. God said, why did Sarah laugh? She stuck her head out of the tent and said, I didn't laugh. God said, no, but you did. You laughed at my word. You laughed at my promise. You don't believe that because your body's dead, your womb's dead, because Abraham's impotent. You don't believe that I can bring forth. I'll show you. God's fixing to show people he can bring forth. He's fixing to show people. God's hand ain't short. What God done in Azusa Street, what God done in the 50s. What God done is a dropping, it ain't even a drop in the bucket to what God's fixing to do. Revivals in this country that reap 15 and 20,000, fixing to reap 75 and 100,000. I saw ball stadiums and racetracks back in the 70s and 80s packed to capacity in the gospel of the kingdom being preached. Some of these places built a whole 100,000 people. Some of them 30, 40, 50,000. We ain't seen nothing. We ain't seen nothing to what God now. Why? It's His appointed time. If I be a servant of the Lord, this is God's. This is God's appointed time. This is God's appointed time. And I'm going to tell you something. This ain't no America move. 
This ain't no Georgia move. This ain't no Alabama move. I, this is a worldwide visitation of the Spirit of God that He set in order according to His will, and it's going to happen at His time. Hallelujah. I want you to go with me. Let me see where I want to go. Let's go to Haggai. I think I may have lost my marker, but that's okay. I can find it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now I got it marked. Haggai, second chapter. I'm going to the sixth verse. For thus saith the Lord of hosts yet once, It is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. Now I know how God can shake the earth. I know how He can shake the sea. Because in probably about November of 2004, the Lord spoke to me and I prophesied there was going to be earthquakes in the ocean. Tsunamis like you ain't never seen. It wasn't about a month. So God brought them earthquakes forth over off the coast of Indonesia and brought that tsunami that went all the way to India and killed over 250,000 people. The Lord spoke it to me. He said, people ain't never seen the earthquakes. And he said, earthquakes in the ocean. That's where that thing hit. It hit in the bottom of the ocean. When it did, it, it brought that tsunami forth. So I know how God can shake the sea. I know how He can shake the earth. But y'all tell me how God's going to shake the heavens. How God going to shake the heavens? I remember the Lord spoke to me one time. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm just crazy enough. God speaks something to me. I believe it. I'll speak it. The Lord told me there's going to be earthquakes on the moon. And when He put earthquakes on the moon, it's going to mess up the tide, the tides. Going to mess things up. And he said, you're talking about tidal waves. You're talking about upsetness. And I don't remember how long ago that was. But it's, it's been 10, 12 years ago. But the Lord also told me the earth's going to shift on its axis. And it did. It did. It's fixed shift again. If I be a servant of the Lord, there's fixing to be those earthquakes on the moon. I don't know what how God's going to shake the heavens. But He said, I'll shake the heavens. He said, I'll shake the heavens. You know how God's going to shake the heavens? He said, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. The powers. He going to shift the balance of power. Glory. He said, I'll shake the heavens. We're at the day that God's not only going to shake the earth, the sea, and the dry land. He said, I'm going to shake the heavens. He says in the Gospels, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Hallelujah. He said, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. And the desire, don't y'all notice this, and the desire of all nations, he said, it's going to come. What's going to happen? All nations fixing to desire him. All, all nations fixing to want to know Him. All nations. This spirit of prayer that God's bringing forth, it ain't happening in us. It ain't happening in Georgia. It ain't happening in Alabama. It ain't just happening in America. God's bringing the body of Christ together worldwide. This speed of prayer is happening worldwide. If I be a servant of the Lord, I command the spirit of prayer. Oh my, yeah, yeah. I command God to shake the powers of the heavens and bring the spirit of prayer alive. My God, it's going to be greater than anything Azusa Street seen, greater than anything ever Evan Roberts ever seen. It's going to be greater than anything John Hyde ever seen. A man they call praying Hyde because he can get on his knees and stay 30 and 40 hours at a time. Oh, this is nothing. Let a drop in the bucket to what the Spirit of God uh, is now bringing forth to the God's uh, appointed time. It's His appointed time. It's His season. And once God's season comes in, ain't nothing man can do to stop it. Ain't nothing man can do to slow it down or hinder it. You ain't going to stop this. You ain't going to slow this down. You ain't going to hinder this. Why? It's God's appointed time. This God's appointed time. And he said there in Haggai 2 and verse 7, And I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. What, what, what house is he talking about? This house right here. He said, I'm going to fill this house with glory. 
I'm going to fill this house with glory. Paul said, he, he said, I can't even tell y'all. He said, the sufferings that we're going through ain't worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be in us. But he said, if you don't suffer with Him, you ain't going to reign with Him. So right now, we're going through the sufferings. Right now, we're going through the hardships. Right now, we're going through the tightness. Right now, we're having to pray, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? God, do I be still? Do I move? What do I do, Lord? Y'all may think that's crazy, but that's, that's where we're at. We've got to know the leadership of the Holy Ghost. We've got to know the leadership of the Spirit of God. Would it stand still, word and move? But the Lord said, I'm going to fill this house with glory. He said, the silver's mine. The gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. You drop back over to Zephaniah, which is right before Haggai. And you go to the third chapter. Go back toward Genesis, one book, to Zephaniah, third chapter. And I'm going to the eighth verse. Listen to what God spoke to us. Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord of hosts, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, evil all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then will I turn to the people of a pure language. Woo! <laughs> he said, I'm going to turn to a people of pure language. People that know my voice, people that hear my word, people that... Know the leadership of my spirit. He said, I'm going to turn to people of a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve Him. One consent. One, what is he saying? One heart, one mind, one spirit. We all want, we, we, we're going to hear the voice of the Lord. We're going to come together to serve God because the wrath and the hand of God is being poured out on all nations. God's gathering the nations together right now for His wrath to be poured out. But I ain't worried about His wrath being poured out. Because my life is hid with God in Christ. I ain't worried about it. I'm hid in Him. I ain't got my affection set on things beneath. I got my, uh, my affection and my attention set on things above. Now, I told y'all last week, the Lord spoke to me early last Sunday morning, that a spirit of idolatry had taken over the sports in this nation. And the Lord told me, He said, He said, I'm fixing to deal with it. He said, the hand of judgment is fixing to deal with this sports world. Not because it's a sports world, but because my people have got involved in it. They brought it into the church. They brought it into their homes. More than they have prayer, more than they have seeking God, more than they have study of the Word. People, I'm talking about good people that love God, have got caught up in this sports world because there's nothing in their life to keep them alive in God. And they brought it in to entertain them. They brought it in to try to find something to replace the working of the Spirit of God. You watch God deal with it. I don't know what God's going to do, and I don't know when He's going to do it. But I remember the Lord spoke to me back in 98. He told me, he said, I'm fixing to deal with the sports world. And I was in a meeting in Collinsville, Alabama, and the Lord told me, and I prophesied the word, Lord, I said, you watch, sports figures fixing to die. And before the tent come down in that meeting, that, that female athlete called Flojo, Floyd's, uh, Floyd's Joint and Griffer or something like that, 30-something years old, perfect health, fell dead. Fell dead. It was in that meeting right there, the Lord told me He sent me to Collinsville. That's before we ever had church in Fort Payne. But the Lord said, if I've sent you here, He said, uh, the man in black, and I can't remember what the other one was, and He said in the Pope at that time, uh, there's a saying, it was Bob Hope, there was a saying Bob Hope had, and He said that, but He said, the man in black, uh, and I can't remember what the saying was about Bob Hope, but uh, and then the Pope. And they died in that exact order. Some of them died within a year or two. Some of them, it was three or four years, but they died in that exact order because God sent me there. God sent me there to put that tent up, to draw people together, to establish that church. And I didn't know it at that time. But God established that church out of that revival. A lot of people came to that meeting right there. God established that church. 
But God, oh hallelujah. I want to go back to Joel. See, the Lord told me this morning. He said, He said, I'm not just, I'm not just stirring up the spirit of prayer. He said, I'm bringing to pass a word that I've spoken by these three prophets hundred, uh, thousands of years ago. He said, by the word of Joel. He said, by the word of Zephaniah and by the word of Haggai that they spoke more than 2,000 years ago. He said, my word's fixing to come to pass because it's my appointed time. I'm telling y'all, we ain't just in a stir. We ain't just in a visitation. We ain't just in a move of God. We are in an appointed, ordained time for God to visit the earth. It's been set in motion from the foundation of the world. And the Lord's been telling us this right here probably since 2015. When he spoke to me about a new beginning. From Joel 2 and 23. Be glad then ye children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately and he will cause to come down for you the rain. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat. And the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten the canker worm, the cattle worm, and, my, and the pommel worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Right there, the Lord showed me back then, back in 2015, said this was the restoring of the former rains. This was the restoring of the former rains of the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. we got to first go back to that foundation. We gotta first go back to that foundation and God's gotta set His Word in order. God's people's lives gotta come back in order. They gotta come back to prayer. They gotta come back to seeking God. They gotta come back to righteousness and holiness. God can't move in this stuff we call religion. God can't move in this spirit of entertainment. My God, everywhere you go, people are, uh, uh, people are having plays and dramas and they got smoke and lights and everybody's replaced the Word of God and the preaching of the Word with something to entertain the flesh. God can't move in this and He's not gonna try. And you go back and search, I don't care what revival you search, I, you go back and every move of God in history started with people going to prayer. Got tired of garbage, got tired of junk. Got tired of trying to find God. Let me tell you something. God's never moved in organized religion. He's always moved outside of it. You know why? Because people organize God right out of the church. They organize Him right out of the church. It's one thing to say you're going to start service at 8.30, 9.30, 10 o'clock. There's some churches have three or four services of a morning and a couple at night. I thought, Lord, I wouldn't want to be. No, not me. Y'all can just crowd in the church, stand on top of one another. Because I'm not going to try to preach the Word and cut the work into the Spirit of God off to stay on the timetable. The Lord told me that years ago. He said, church on the timetable. You go to church, they open the service, then they ring a bell and everybody goes to Sunday school. 30, 45 minutes later, they ring another bell. Then they go to worship service. Song service is allotted so many minutes. And the preacher opens his Bible. And if he gets past a certain point, he don't start closing down. People sitting out there pulling their watches on him like a double barrel shotgun. Looking at the clock, reading ain't no clock in my church, won't ever be. I'm not going to hinder. I'm not going to try to tie the Spirit of God down. We give God a window. We want Him to move. We want Him to say what He wants to say. And we want Him to do what He wants to do. Or what we want Him to do and how we want Him to do it and when we want Him to do it. And we call it church. It's wrong. And I sat right here in the chair on August the 18th. The Word of the Lord come to me and God said, I negate what you call worship. I negate it. I get rid of it. It's not my will. It's not my word. It's not the moving of my spirit. And he said, and you will learn to worship me different. You will learn to worship. Go back and listen to prophecy. August 18th, 2017. Sit right here. I'll sit right there in that chair and listen to a prophecy. And the word of the Lord come to me. She was back there in the bedroom. She come out. I said, you get that video camera set up. You get that. You, if you got that, she had already set up a YouTube channel. We hadn't put nothing on it. And God told me, he said, you speak this. And I sat down right here in the chair. And we went to prayer, and when the Spirit of the Lord come on me, I spoke it. And God said, I negate what you call worship. He said, you've given yourselves together two or three times a week for a couple of hours and want me to come in and visit and move when you, 
when you are dictating to me to move, when you I, have taken time to come together, I, and God said, I negate it. I put it aside. I get rid of it. He said, you can't give me two or three hours a week. You can't give me four or five hours a week. You can't take 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week for yourself to provide for your flesh and then give God six or seven hours a week for your spirit, man, and expect things to be in balance. Out of balance. We're out of balance with our relationship with God. Why has God left the church? Church is out of balance. Church is out of balance. That's why God's left it. We've let a spirit of idolatry come in. We've let a spirit of entertainment come in. We've let a spirit of soothsaying. Yeah, y'all would not believe the preachers that I know that God has showed me that work by what we call the gifts of the Spirit and they're working by witchcraft and they're working by soothsaying and they're working by spirits of divination. I mean, some of them, you set their services. It's wrong. And God God bringing it down. I'm telling you, God's bringing it down. He's bringing it down. He's bringing it down. But He told y'all, He said, I have given you the former rain moderately. He said, but now I'm going to cause to come down for you in the first month. The Lord told me the first month was a new beginning. We have entered into a new beginning, November the 12th. If I know the voice of the Lord, if I've ever heard the voice of the Lord, God told me on November the 12th, night. I mean, 2017, I, the Word of the Lord came to me in that little church up in uh, Blue Ridge, Georgia, and God said, I have started a new move I, of my Spirit in the earth. Ain't nothing you can do with that. It started. It's begun. It's a new beginning. We're still trying to get God to move in the old order. Ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. Ain't gonna work. We're gonna have to be subject to the Spirit of God whenever it moves on us. Yes, <laughs> boy, boy, gonna be something. You gotta put that big truck on the side of I-75 down there and get out and dance and rejoice and shout in the Spirit of God up and down the median, up and down the shoulder of the road because the Spirit of God gets on you so bad you can't drive. Ain't <laughs> gonna be something DOT pulls in there and you out there shouting in the Spirit and talking in tongues. Because it was God's time to move. We gotta get rid of this. Well, God, I'm going to church this morning and we're gonna give you about two and a half, three hours, Lord, and we want you to come in, do what you want to do, and say what you want to say. And Lord, we gotta be out a certain time because we got this, do that, do. We gotta get ready to go to work in the morning. God don't care what you gotta do. He don't care. I can tell you that. I've told the Lord way too many times. He'd wake me up two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. I hadn't been in bed an hour and a half, two hours. And I'd tell the Lord, Lord, I need to sleep. I need to sleep. I'm tired. My body's tired. And I might get up and pray and study a couple hours and go back and lay down and go to sleep. And I might stay up the rest of the day. Because I'm going to tell you something. God didn't care how tired I was. You know all God wants? Obedience and submission. He don't care how tired you get. He don't care what you got to do. He created you to serve Him. He created you to serve Him. Amen. He created you to serve Him. So here we are at a time appointed of the Lord. A visitation that God has spoken from the foundation of the world. We don't even realize what we're in. We don't even realize the visitation that Almighty God has placed in us. We don't, we don't realize where God's brought us to. You ever read the Word of God? Well, I'll, I'll give you one example. It's Matthew eight sixteen, Talking about Jesus. And it said, And when even was come, they brought unto Him many that were possessed with devils, and He cast out the spirits with His Word. And healed all that was sick. That it might be fulfilled. That which is spoken by Zes the prophet. Say he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. 800 years. 800 years. Or thereabouts. Isaiah prophesied and said a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And then he said he's going to take our infirmities. He's going to bear our sicknesses. He's going to be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, our, of His peace is going to be upon us and with His stripes we shall be healed. But then it come to pass that word was fulfilled. The word of the Lord that's fallen on your ears today is being fulfilled. 
by what's been spoken by prophets 2,500 and 3,000 years ago. And God's chosen you to be a part of it. God's chosen us to be a part of this. Are y'all hearing me? Do you realize how important this is? We ain't somebody just decided to serve God. We're chosen. We're chosen vessels. Peter wrote in the second chapter, I believe it was first Peter, and said that you're a chosen generation. Amen? A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Where's there ever been a royal priesthood? Where's there a holy nation? Where's there a chosen generation? This is it! This is it, a peculiar people. Different. A chosen treasure. That peculiar means you're a chosen treasure of God. A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Who's ever seen a royal priesthood? Not, uh-uh. Priesthood stopped with the law. Y'all hear me? Priesthood stopped with the law when Jesus come forth. Everything changed. Everything changed. And He brought in the priesthood of Melchizedek. He said, you shall not come forth in carnal commandments, but you shall be brought forth in the power of an endless life. That's what Melchizedek came for. That Hebrews, you read it. He said, you ain't coming forth. He's talking to Jesus. He said, you ain't coming forth in carnal commandments. He said, I'm bringing you forth in the power of an endless life, like unto my servant Melchizedek. Let me tell you all something. Melchizedek's still out there somewhere. <laughs> He's still out there somewhere. Bible said he had neither father nor mother in the beginning of days nor end of life. That means he's still out there somewhere. Melchizedek's king of peace. Jesus, prince of peace. (laughs) They ain't the same. They ain't the same. They're different. They're different. Jesus, prince of peace. Melchizedek's king of peace. Hallelujah. And he said... He said, it's spoken that you shall be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Two orders of priesthood. The order of Aaron under the law. The order of Melchizedek in the New Testament. You see, Melchizedek was for the law. His high priest for the law. I prayed here several months ago. And I got praying and I said, Lord, I said, all the way back to Genesis. I said, Cain and Abel offered sacrifice. They offered up prayers. I said, many have offered up prayers since the beginning of time. I said, who received them gifts? I said, when the Lord Jesus went to heaven after His resurrection and presented His blood to be put on the mercy seat, who took that blood? Melchizedek. Melchizedek was before the law. He took all them heavenly sacrifices. Besides, under the law, them men could just receive them sacrifices on earth. Somebody had to receive them in heaven. Are y'all with me? Somebody had to receive them up in heaven. Amen? Somebody had to receive them up in heaven. We call Jesus our high priest, do we not? But he never performed any priestly duties on earth. Never performed the first priestly duty on earth. But he is our high priest. But he's called forever to be a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Not walking in the power of carnal commandments, but in the power of an endless life. And that's how we're going to be made. That's where God's taking us. That's where God's taking us. Y'all hear me? Just the seven of us right here gathered together. We are part of a predestined, ordained plan of God that was set in motion from the foundation of the earth. Every one of you here got a purpose. You got a plan. God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for your life. He got a purpose for your life. Amen. He got a purpose for you. We need to quit worrying about a lot of these natural things that get us upset and bogged down. I mean, we got things we're praying about right now. We don't know which way to go on some things. But I know God's going to handle it. 
Amen. I know God's going to handle it. And doubt my mind, God's going to handle it. Why? I've done my best to obey His voice. I've done my best to fulfill His will. And everything God's told me to do, I've done it. So, the Lord's got to count my obedience like He did Abraham. He said, God took Abraham's obedience and counted it to him for righteousness. God's got to take my obedience and count it to me for righteousness because He said the willing and the obedient are going to eat the good of the land. Devil ain't got a chance. As long as I won't get discouraged, let him in. Devil ain't got a chance. Amen. You ain't got a chance. Because I know a great ineffectual door is swinging open to the Gentiles. And I don't care where God moves. I don't care how He moves. I'll go wherever He wants me to. I remember the Lord spoke to us when we was at church in Alabama. I was in the Spirit. And I saw God wake people up to 33 o'clock in the morning. He said, get up. Go to such and such a town, such and such an address. And they got up and followed the working of the Spirit of God. When they got that address, it might be two or three hours away. It might be another state. But when they got there, they had people waiting on them to hear the gospel. Because God had set it in motion. And the Lord said, I'll move, send my word, deliver people, save them, set them free. For the devil ever even knows what's happened. Because <laughs> see, when God sets things in motion, He's got to have time for His word to be fulfilled and His word to come through us. Well, the devil's got to do the same thing. Devil's got to have time to get his imps, his false apostles and prophets and whatever else he's got. He's got to have time to get them in out there where they can hinder. God said, no. He said, I'll move before the devil even knows what's happened. <laughs> Ain't that just like our God? Ain't that just like our God up in the devil before he even knows what's hit him? Hallelujah. But the great effectual door to the Gentiles. You know, we got a full basement downstairs. And I told my wife, there's a wall that runs right about here that divides our downstairs. I told my wife, I said, God moves. Because we poured these basement walls. 1995, we looked at them. Just them walls standing. I said, my God, doesn't make a good church. Just that open area down there. I'm going to tell you something. You knock them walls out there and get all that stuff out of there, you have room seat 50, 60 people, if not more. We'd have more room downstairs. We'd have an LJ. And I can knock, I can knock them walls out and just leave them beams under that center beam. Because them walls ain't load-bearing walls. That, that beam goes down the center of the house. It wasn't bearing the load. I can knock that thing out and have room to preach 40, 50 people if God moves like that right here. I don't care where God moves. I just want to see Him move. I don't care what God does. I don't care what it takes. And that's why I feel the Spirit of the Lord calling people to prayer. That's why we sit every night at 8 o'clock, no matter where you're at. You don't have to be here. You don't have to be in church. Every night, wherever you're at, you find your place to pray. If 8 o'clock don't work for you, you set a time and you gather yourself together. You gather your house together. You gather people together. Let's go to prayer. Let's seek God Because we've got to have direction. God's got to give us a Cornelius. Amen. God's got to give us a Cornelius. God's got to give us an open door to these Gentiles. And God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got an individual. You know, when Paul went to Macedonia in Acts 16, the Word of God says he went down to a riverside on the Sabbath day where prayer was want to be made. That's people come there to pray. They might have known John the Baptist. They might have, but they didn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul went down there and met a lady named Lydia. She said, you come in my house. I'll take care of you. So for the whole time, Paul and Silas was in Macedonia. Lydia took care of them, provided their every need. And they went out and preached the gospel because they got persecuted and said, these men that have turned the world upside down. God's fixed to turn this world upside down. You hear me? How many times has God spoken to prophecies? Go back and check your prophecies that I gave you where God eight or nine times in different prophecies said, this is turning the things upside down. God's ready. He waiting on some laborers. He waiting on some laborers. We go to prayer, it should be 
for our president. It should be for God to give peace to the earth. It should be for the kings and those in authority that Paul said that we might live a quiet and peaceable life. We need to pray for God to keep this world calmed down. We need to pray for God to keep this world calmed down. Because it's hard to have revival and a move of God when countries are in war. So we need God to keep this thing peaceable. We need to touch lives. If that rocket man over in North Korea is going to keep his junk going on, God just needs to move him. Because we don't need war, especially nuclear war. We don't need upsetness. We need an act of God in the earth. So first thing we're praying, God bring peace to the earth. Protect our president. Put our leaders together. Put some people together in one mind, one accord. Let's get this economy going, Lord, so we'll have finances preach this gospel. That's what God raised America up for. They no telling how many multiplied millions of dollars going to be spent today on that one sporting event up there. Millions and millions and millions of dollars going to be spent on it. And then they're going to turn around and make millions more on food and merchandising. And I think commercials now are up to 125, what, a million, million and a half, million and a quarter, million and a half dollars for 30 seconds. Because the people's going to be watching. And y'all think it's going to slow people down? Said it's going to be the coldest Super Bowl on record. And they said there ain't no telling how many hours people are going to have to stand outside that stadium before they get in. And they'll be glad to do it. But let them go to church and they get hot or they get cold or they get uncomfortable. Well, I ain't going back to this church. That bench is uncomfortable. Man, they got too hot in here. They got too cold in here. I ain't going back to church there. But sit outside in a blizzard for hours. Rain. Snow, sleet, burning heat to watch a sporting event. And you watch how many of them, you watch how many churches will cancel service tonight. If they don't cancel service, they'll bring in widescreen TVs and play the Super Bowls in their auditoriums and basements. People come in and have Super Bowl parties in church. That's why God fixed to smite them. That's why God fixed to smite them. You hear me? God fixed to smite them. I am one is for separation between church and sports. This stuff does not need to be in the house of God and it don't need to be in the hearts of God's people. And I'm going to tell you something. You're a minister of the gospel and all you can talk about is the Super Bowl this, the Super Bowl that. and you, You're going to watch this thing. You're going to get all upset and you're going to get passionate. You go ahead and watch it, but don't get passionate. Don't let this thing get in your spirit and upset you. And then you turn around and stand up in the pulpit and try to preach a word and lead God's people. I ain't got a lick of confidence in you. Because your heart's in the world. Your heart's in the world. First John 2 said, Love not the world, neither do the things that are in the world. Said, but, but if the love of the world's in you, the love of the Father is not. For all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's what the Word says. If you caught up in that stuff... You got the lust of the world in you. Because I'm going to tell you something. Win or lose, it ain't going to change nothing in the world. It ain't going to save one soul. It ain't going to deliver one person. All the world's going to do is make millions and millions and millions of dollars that should have been spent on the gospel to send it around the world. You, you mark it down. God, think deal with this stuff. And I think it's in 98 and I was in Calhoun. The Lord spoke to me and told me. He said, I'm fixing to hit NASCAR. He said, you mark my words, I'm fixing to hit NASCAR. And it wasn't two years later, Dale Earnhardt hit a wall in February in Daytona. Probably a year and a half, because that was late 98. And there was a grandson of uh, Kyle Petty killed. Not too long after that, I think there's about four race car drivers in that famous one, Dale Earnhardt, got killed in Daytona in 2000. I told y'all this old order's fixing to go out. One of them big TV preachers that... Started them big talk shows. Had a stroke. They said he's going to be all right. He'll be all right if God says he's going to be all right. Y'all hear me? He'll be all right if God says he's going to be all right. Ain't got nothing against him. I just know God said I'm moving this whole order. Getting it out of the way. We've got to pray for God to bring us forth. And for these five ministries to come forth. I'm going to tell you the spirit of Elijah is coming forth. I saw it. The spirit of Moses coming forth. I saw that spirit of Elijah. I saw that arise and split. I saw that spirit of Elijah step on the scene. Suddenly. You ain't going to stop it. 
You ain't going to stop it. You ain't going to stop it. And God said, this is the Spirit. See, what Joel spoke is not what happened on the day of Pentecost. When God said, I will pour out my Spirit on your sons and your daughters and they shall prophesy, God told us back in October, said, they're going to prophesy by the Spirit of Elijah. They're going to prophesy by the Spirit of Moses. They're going to prophesy things that's going to turn cities upside down. They're going to prophesy major things. They ain't going to go out here and lay their hands on you and say, oh, the Lord would say, you're the apple of my eye, saith God. Well, the Lord would say unto you, I love you. I said, they happening. That ain't the spirit of prophecy he's talking about. He's talking about the spirit of prophecy and the two witnesses. Because he told me in 88, he said, the, the two witnesses ain't two men. He says, two companies. It's two anointings. I'm walking in the field in Corinth, in Burtonsville, Mississippi, have my tent set up. I walk in the field 2.30 in the morning, have my staff over my shoulder and just have my arms draped over it praying. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said, the two witnesses ain't two men. said, it's two companies. I said, all right, Lord, give me scriptures. He said, Moses had the 70 elders and Elijah had the sons of the prophets. I said, good enough. Good enough. Good enough. And that's when he told me, he said, the anointing of Moses, he said, and the anointing of Elijah is the anointing that will witness in these two companies. Do you ever stop my two witnesses? What's a witness? Witness testifies. What's this going to testify? The testimony of Jesus is what? Spirit of prophecy. So my two witnesses, they're going to be witnesses. They're going to smite the earth with plagues as often as they will. Who done that? Moses. Who turned the waters to blood? Moses. Who called fire down from heaven? Elijah. Who shut up the heavens that it might not rain the days of their prophecy? Elijah. So the anointing that will be on these two companies, on your sons and your daughters, should be the, Mo- the anointing of Moses and the anointing of Elijah. <laughs> Makes sense to me? Oh, I forgot. There's folks that ain't going to be here. That's all right. Just leave me in the Left Behind series. <laughs> I'll take the Left Behind series. Amen. Do you appreciate the Lord? Y'all appreciate this word? Know and understand this is a time appointed of the Lord. And you will see, if people will fall into it, that the greatest spirit of prayer the world's ever seen is now. is now set in motion. Amen? This is now set in motion. Greatest spirit of prayer the world's ever seen. I mean, just the last two or three nights, we've had some great spirits of prayer here. And last night, just one of them, man... You can care whether you quit praying or not. Just kept a rolling. Just kept a rolling. And see, that's what's going to do. We're going to get in prayer. It's just going to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You're going to think you prayed 30, 45 minutes an hour, and you're going to find out you prayed two or three hours. Let me tell you something. I've walked the grounds of my tent many a night, go back after service, walk the grounds of my tent, lay on my face in the altar, lay on my face on the ground, and start coming out of spirit of prayer and head back to the trailer and the sun be coming up. That's why revivals always broke out. That's why God always moved and healed and delivered. Spoke His true word. Because I sought Him for it. I wasn't going to preach a bunch of junk. I can't preach junk to people. I can't preach religion to people. i got to preach them the truth. got to preach them the truth. Why? He said, you're going to know that truth. That truth is going to make you free. It's going to make you free. And i got people everywhere. But they'll tell you, they came to my tent meetings, they came to my preaching. One young lady right down there in Bremen, Georgia, Scott, she's probably in her 40s now, 12, 13 years old. I prayed for her, she had a broke bone. I believe it was right across here, it might have been down there, I can't remember now. No, it was down in her foot. She had a cast on her foot. Home prayer meeting, just like this. I got down, took her foot, held it in my hands, the Lord took me out in a vision. While I was praying for her, and I seen... Uh, a, a beam of light like a welding rod go right across that bone. Just welded it back together. Just welded it back together. She got up and started walking on that foot. It was on crutches, couldn't walk on it. She got up and started walking on that foot. She posted the other day, said if it hadn't been for Brother Metter's tent revival. She said when I was a young girl, she said it saved my life. There's testimonies like that all over the world. 
all over the United States, all over the world, where I preach this word because I wouldn't ever compromise. I've always preached truth to people. I've always told, I didn't, I didn't care, and I don't care. I don't deal with emotionalism. Word of God hits you straight, it's going to hit you straight. I don't get caught up in all this emotional junk and try to sidestep the Word of God. Never have, never will. There's people I've hurt their feelings, but I've told you the truth. I've told you the truth, and I always tell you the truth. Because, see, the enemy works through emotion. Spirit of God don't work through emotion. Spirit of God just comes straight in and pop you. <laughs> just come in and tell you what the truth is. It won't try to sidestep your feelings, keep from hurting your feelings. I ain't worried about your feelings, I'm worried about your soul. Amen. Amen. You gotta speak the truth and you gotta speak it straight. Y'all appreciate the Lord today? Man, I appreciate this word. And I know this is the time appointed of the Lord. I know it is. And I don't know what God's gonna do, but I'm encouraging every one of you every night get in prayer with us. Get in prayer with us, get in prayer with us, cause it's eight o'clock. Right in that area, every night, we get right there. Right there, side by side, we go to prayer every night. Every night, we ain't somewhere preaching or ain't somewhere in service to the Lord. We're in prayer seeking God. And it's going to get greater and greater and greater. Because we got to have the definite, predestined, ordained will of God at the move we're in. I can't just take the permissible will of God or the acceptable will of God. I gotta have that perfect will of God. I gotta know what I'm doing. I didn't ask God to put me in this position. I never asked y'all to follow my preaching. I didn't ask God to put me here, Sister Deborah. But I got people got confidence in me. I got people following the word that's coming out of me. There may not People may not say a whole lot, but I'm going to tell you something. They pay attention to every word I speak. They pay attention to every word I speak. We can put a video or something on YouTube, share it on Facebook, and it will be no time. Have 100, 115, 120 views. I mean, just in days. Because people are listening. You know why? This word's different. It's straight. It's clean. It's upright before God. And when it speaks, it speaks to the Spirit inside of people. The Lord showed me here a while back. I saw the Word of the Lord start coming out, and I saw it speaking to the heart of God in people. And this Word speaks to the heart of God. It speaks yeah. to that, that hunger, that longing in people's souls. It don't satisfy the flesh. Oh, it'll make the flesh fight mad. But there's something in it that'll speak to that heart of God deep down inside of you. Because there's something in man... It's got to have that relationship with God. And that's why when God turned man out of His presence, there was a void, there was an emptiness. Man turned to idolatry. He turned to idol worship because he, he had to find something to connect with. Don't know how it come about. But you go back, you check Genesis, and the, you read from back Genesis 30th chapter on up, just before Jacob went and wrestled with the angel. He was running from Laban. His father-in-law and his father-in-law chased him down. And he didn't know it. But his wife, Rachel, which is Laban's daughter, had taken images and hid them in the camel's furniture. She ta- So that means Laban and where Jacob was, there was idol worshipers. There was idol worshipers. Go over to chapter 35, 34, 35. And Jacob told his sons, he said, get rid of your strange gods. And they brought their strange gods to him, broke the earrings out of their ears, and Abraham dug a hole at a, under an oak tree at Shechem and hit them. As great as, the, as great as Jacob walked with God and loved God, and God spoke to him and God missed him, he had sons that was idol worshipers. We've got to get rid of this stuff. We've got to break this bond of religion because it's become idol worship. It's become idol worship. When you're more passionate and get more involved in a sporting event, you do your relationship with God. And you get more passionate about stuff out here in the world than you do about your walk with God and about attending the house of God. There's a spirit of idolatry in your life. You need to get rid of it. God's going to deal with this stuff. I'm telling you, God's going to deal with this stuff. Because this is God's time to bring forth a visitation. 
Y'all know y'all think. Y'all read the Bible. Y'all think about about how God moved. Yeah. God moved in the Bible just like He's moving now. He starts with a handful. Starts with a handful. Starts with a handful. Amen. Y'all read Paul's writings. And Paul says, I salute the church in such and such a town or in this saint's house or in that saint's house. Or They didn't start out with huge crowds. And if they start out with huge crowds, sometimes all they wound up with was a handful in somebody's house. Read your Bible. Amen. God said, I'm going to start out with dozens. Then I'm going to move and save hundreds and I'm going to move and save thousands. I'm ready for a move of God. You ready for a move of God? You appreciate the Lord? Let's ask God to bless this Word. Father, I thank You for the moving of Your Spirit, for the working of the Holy Ghost. I thank You, Lord, for what You're doing in Your people. Give us, Lord, those eyes to see. Let our ears hear and let our hearts understand what the Spirit is speaking to the church. Let it be so, Lord, that we can hear You. God, You said You're going to turn to a people of a pure language. That means there ain't going to be no corruption, no pollution, no junk, but it's going to be a pure language, Lord. Make us a people of a pure language, God. Because you said with other tongues, well, I stammer lips and other tongues, will I speak to my people. Bring it forth, Lord. Bring it forth, Holy God. In Jesus' name, we ask it to be so, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Won't you just lift your hands up and give the Lord a praise? Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate the Lord today.